welcome back to another sci-fi podcast. So looking forward to talking to you about retirement today and your prescription for longevity. We're not talking about physical longevity. We're talking about financial longevity. Because one of the bigger fears in retirement is outliving your money. But we want our money to outlive us, hence the term financial longevity. Now, again, like all other podcasts, I'm mentioning that these anchor classes have already been taught and are available to watch the entire one to one and a half hour class. And you'll see that link to watch below. But this is really more of a teaser to get you excited still about your retirement account. And maybe you have a family member that needs to hear this to get them motivated, to get them excited about saving for retirement. I was once in that boat. I'm a licensed professional counselor. I've provided psychotherapy for over 15 years in a clinical setting. And now I'm providing financial therapy as an accredited financial counselor. And let me tell you, I was not always on board with savings. I didn't think I had enough. I didn't think I was going to be the type of person that could do such a thing because after all, only rich people did that, right? Well, that's wrong, and I'm so thankful that I got this education at a young age and could understand at a young age it's not based on how much money you make. It's based on the choices that you make with the money that you make. So with that, let me just jump right into the retirement checklist here. The first thing, and I get this from my Garmin Forg personal finance book, one of my favorite books that I even tell clients they should read. It's the 13th edition. You'll know everything I know if you just read that book. Take it chapter by chapter, sip on it every once in a while, and you'll have information that will keep you set for life and where you could also educate your children and your grandchildren. So your retirement checklist, first principle, accept enough risk. In our first episode, we talked about financial personality. The short-term strategist is our most cautious and risk-averse. So knowing this of yourself, knowing your financial personality is also going to help you save well for retirement. The second principle, save regularly within a tax-sheltered employer-sponsored plan to achieve at least full matching. A lot of you listening are probably DOD civilians and you are well aware of the thrift savings plan, the thrift savings plan or an IRA. Uh, Those um, can be, depending on who you're employed with, your 401k, those are tax-sheltered employer-sponsored plans. So make sure that you are not just doing the 3%, but you're doing the 5%. Because after all, that Extra matching, as one financial expert said, is just the icing on the cake, but you still have to bake the entire cake. Number three, contribute extra to a Roth IRA to supplement. And for those who have TSP, you have your traditional and you have your um, Roth TSP. So you could do Roth through your TSP or you can set up a Roth IRA account. But some people make too much money 
to have a Roth IRA account outside of TSP. So know those things. And you could also work with a certified financial planner or a certified public accountant to see how you could go about contributing more to a Roth, even if you make too much money. Number four, set it and forget it. Keep your hands off your retirement money and don't watch the pot boil. You remember all of those adages. And I'll tell you what, when you get those retirement statements, only confirm that the address is correct, your contact information is correct, but do not cause any excess anxiety by reading those statements every month. Maybe only when you need to rebalance about every six months should be you be taking a peek at it. Number five, make a will and update your designations of beneficiary. You're going to hear in a podcast in the future on estate planning how your designations of beneficiary with your TSP, with your IRAs, with your bank, your designations of beneficiary and who you've named on those beneficiaries trump your will. So even if you have a will and you haven't updated those designations of beneficiary, make sure you do that. So I want to give you a little insight because you could watch this video, this this recorded class. So I want to talk a little bit more about things that are coming from the hearts of our Team Redstone members. For, the, for those that actually took this class, I got some survey results where they shared their perceived barriers in engaging in positive behaviors for retirement. Because this was not a how-to retirement class. This class focused on what are the types of behaviors that I need to engage in to create a healthy retirement nest egg. Because again, I could sit here and give you the Bueller, Bueller, dry data, numbers, Excel spreadsheets, and telling you everything I need to give you. But unless you change your mindset, those mental heuristics that we're about to talk about, you will consistently have barriers that will keep you from engaging in those positive behaviors for retirement. So here are some of those stated barriers. Lifestyle barriers is the first response. And what a loaded statement on this survey. It says it all for a lot of the clients that I see in my office. They have these lifestyle assets or homes that are mansions that are really there because they're living beyond their means or they really don't need but they still have it as a lifestyle asset because of a position in society that they want to hold, those types of things, or the type of car that you drive, the type of clothes that you wear. Those are all lifestyle assets. And before you know it, they're not assets anymore after a certain period of time, especially if you can't afford it. So you might be thinking, you know what, maybe I can downsize. Maybe I can do these things to finally set myself up for putting more money aside for retirement. Maybe I could retire earlier than I expected. Or just knowing and having that clarity 
and um, peace in knowing that you're moving in the right direction. Another one that is a barrier or a perceived barrier is family loyalty. It wasn't stated that way, but here's what was said. I'm 26 and I live far away from my family. A significant barrier is the cost of travel for me so I can go visit them and participate in family gatherings, which is very important to them and to me. And that's wonderful. I've already shared with you I'm a value-based planner based on my financial personality. I'm all about connection and relationships. I even gave my parents a car because I wanted them to have the ability to come see me and feel good knowing that they wouldn't be stranded on the side of the road while coming to visit me. I get that. But if that is what is keeping you from saving for retirement, it's time to take a closer look at your family loyalties. And it's not meant that this 26-year-old is making the wrong decision. She's not, or he's not. Not sure if this is a male or a female, but either way, You have to challenge your thinking and understanding is what I am providing for my family consistent with what I need to do to set myself up for retirement. For some of you, you might be shocked to hear that. How could you say that, Olivia? I'll tell you what, when I actually taught the class, I could could feel the gasps in the team's meeting when I said, that you should not be saving for your kid's college fund before your retirement. And the reason for that is you should be saving for your retirement first because your children can borrow for their education, but you cannot borrow for your retirement. The other thing is if you are saving for your retirement first, before you're saving for your kid's college education, then you are not going to be a financial burden to them in the future. To me, that's worth more than a little extra college money, don't you think? After all, they're wanting to go to college so that they can support themselves, possibly have a family, feel comfortable, have all those things they've been dreaming of since they were 13 years old. The last thing you want to do is be a financial burden on them and take that dream away. So just food for thought there. Another barrier to engaging in positive behaviors for retirement is stated this way, taking greater financial risks. And I understand that there are those out there, and maybe it's you, who are overly cautious in putting your money into the market. After all, TSP is a bunch of uh, money market uh, funds that are being traded and that are earning you money. It's money that is working for you, compound interest, all those different things. So I want you to think about then, how do I need to tweak my investment philosophy? What can I absolutely stomach so that I can make better decisions not to fall into that retirement trap of saving too late, saving too little, and saving too conservatively. So I understand that some of you may not be able to stomach too much, but if you are the type of person that keeps your money under your mattress, and yes, 
that still happens. I've had a couple clients who keep their money in their mattress. Let me tell you something, there is greater risk in keeping all of that cash in your mattress than keeping it in an account because your house is more likely to burn up in a fire than you lose all of your money. Does that make sense? I hope it does. It's rhetorical, but I threw it out there. So here's another, this one's a funny one, another barrier. Getting my husband banned from Home Depot and Lowe's and on board for savings. Again, I can't stress enough, if you need some financial, marital counseling, I'm your person. And I will tell you that a lot of the marital financial therapy sessions that I have, they're filled with laughter. They're lighthearted. They're not as scary as you would imagine. So if you need that, make sure you're coming in. Another barrier, and let me talk a long time about this one, y'all. Extended family needs in today's economy. All right. I'm going to be the bad cop again, and it's okay if you don't like me for the next two minutes. But meeting extended family needs over and over again is robbing them of the opportunity for financial growth. Sometimes the best thing you can do to those extended family members and even immediate family members is to say no. Let me give you a funny story. So I was at the youth center providing financial education to 11 to 16 year olds, great group of kids. And I just love that they hang on every word and it shows how hungry they are for this information. But here's what I told them. They need to start making good financial choices today and getting in the habit of creating a spend plan or a budget today so that they could be prepared for the future. So we were talking about how to earn money, first of all, maybe creating a side hustle of a babysitting business or yard cutting business, raking leaves, uh, working for the HOA, you know, those types of things we brainstormed. And then we started talking about, okay, and then how do you spend the money that you earn? What are the smart decisions you can start making today to set yourself up for success? Here's what I told them, that when they become a young adult, they are meant to fend for themselves. It was never meant for parents to provide for their adult children longer than a couple months. And the reason for that is, and here's what I told them, I gave them a visual, I brought some candy. So I had this beautiful bag of candy and I talked about the nest. Cause some of them were griping about the chores they have to do that they don't get paid for, but parents, I had your back. I let them know that part of that was you getting them prepared for adulthood. They don't want to be the person on campus who doesn't know how to do a load of laundry or make a grilled cheese sandwich or even boil water. So I got your back, parents. I let them know about the nest. Right now, at that age level, the nest for them is quite comfortable. And so I started taking handfuls of candy out of the bag 
and letting them know this is what your parents, this is what they're supposed to be doing as you get older. They're supposed to take more and more handfuls of that candy and cushion and comfort out of that nest to make it uncomfortable for you so that you will eventually fly on your own. Parents, we can't fly for our kids. We can't do it for them. We have to set them up for success now. And I shared with them that that's what real live birds do in their natural habitats to get their baby birds to fly. Initially, the nests are wonderfully comfortable and a great place to, to, to lay their heads. But as they need to get those babies out of the nest, they take away that nice padding so that it becomes more prickly and less comfortable so that they will want to leave the nest. The reason I'm talking about this is because, again, one of the perceived barriers stated was extended family needs in today's economy. We can't keep robbing people of opportunities to fly. We can't do it for them. If we're providing for a couple months, that's great and that's admirable because you know what? We've all needed it at some point. But you have to set barriers and parameters around that help. So moving forward, I want to talk a little bit about the psychological booby traps that keep us from engaging in those positive behaviors for retirement. I talked about the cognitive distortions in the spin plan, but I haven't yet mentioned the mental heuristics, what behavioral economists talk about with our lazy thinking and how we choose to make financial decisions based on that lazy thinking. The first one is loss aversion. Naturally, as investors who are wanting to plan for our retirement and put money into our retirement and leave it in our retirement, one of the mental heuristics that keep us from doing that is loss aversion. It is extremely difficult for us to take a dollar or two or more that is in our hand today and give it to someone to hold on to for 30 years before we ever see it again. We are loss averse. We don't like it. <laughs> so know that. So I want to validate that for you. However, if you do your research, if you come in, you talk to me, and I give you proper financial education, it won't feel like you're losing something any further. If anything, it will feel like you could treat your retirement as a layaway plan not as a retirement plan. And for those old enough to re remember what layaway was, I have a quote from my favorite personal financial book from Garmin Forg, 13th edition. Look at your retirement as something you buy. The retail price is the retirement nest egg goal itself. From that amount, you can subtract discounts for anticipated income from Social Security, TSP, your other pension, personal IRAs. Then you identify the difference and buy it on layaway. The additional amounts you periodically save and invest are layaway payments with which you buy your retirement. So 
Thinking of retirement as layaway takes away that loss aversion or sense of loss because now, ooh, I like buying stuff. So I am buying my retirement after all. So that's what I'm going to do. Then we get caught up in this default bias where we start making the easiest possible choice in our retirement decisions where we start having this state of inertia and then we do nothing. So like we come on board as a GS employee um, with a tiny nudge from the government automatically signing us up for 3% in our TSP. But you get caught in a default bias if you never change that amount, if you never increase it. But please, anyone listening, please at least go to 5% so that you can get that full matching. We talked about decision paralysis in episode two. And then we have hurting or herd behavior, confusing the actions of others as the right actions, following the advice and actions of other people instead of doing what we know is right for us. Listen, I can tell you as a clinical therapist, and this is how we'll close today, that I've had to talk several people out of diagnoses that their family members have given them. They think, oh, everyone else has this diagnosis. This might be what I have, but that's not true. Herd behavior is when we start doing what everyone else is doing, staking our own welfare based on that herd behavior. What is a right investment for Joe is not going to be the right investment for you. So we got to take that out of the equation. Stop paying attention to what everyone else is doing and start paying attention to your individual needs. Thank you for listening. We hope you join us for our next episode.